As a teenager, you were controlled and confined by what others demanded and expected of you. In your 20s, you were consumed by what others thought of you. In your 30s, you realized you were still conflicted by what you truly thought of yourself. But now, in your 40s and beyond, it's finally time to live fearlessly, fabulously, and fully you. Let's go. Hey sis, welcome to In the Middle with Myra, and I'm your host, Myra Rollins. Hey ladies, welcome back to In the Middle, and I'm Myra, I'm your homegirl, your friend, your host, just all of that, and I am so excited today. Um, I, we rather, have on the podcast today a very, very special guest. And um, I hope that many of you have seen her a time or two across your um, Facebook feeds or on Instagram. But if not, I'm even more excited to bring to you, introduce to some of you, Christina Garrett. Hey, Christina, how are you? Hello, Myra. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. So my listeners can tell when I'm smiling, they tell me in life. (laughs) Right now, I'm sure some of them are saying, why is she cheesing so much? Because um, I've been following you on Facebook and you are just a big ball of positive energy. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah. So right now I'm like getting your energy all in me. So I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to be here. Yes, ma'am. So Christina, I will allow you the honor of um, introducing yourself to um, the in in the middle listeners. Oh, well, hello in the middle listeners. My name is Christina Garrett. I am a pastor's wife and homeschooling mom of five awesome but very loud children. Mm. Um, I also, right, can you feel that? (laughs) Felt that in your soul? Yeah. So the toddler fell asleep though. So God is in this moment. Um, but so hold on, I hold also, on. What's gonna happen yes. at about like nine thirty nine or ten o'clock when he's it doesn't lying? matter. It doesn't matter. Like he's like a tornado. So whatever <laughs> time he falls asleep, we're just grateful. It can be <laughs> at six o'clock, and we don't even think about all the things that are coming later. And he's up at ten o'clock. It's like thank you God for this hour. <laughs> well, he just thank runs you back God and forth. for this hour. Thank you God for this hour. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, um, so I'm also the founder of the Mamathon Diaries, which is a social community. Um, and we also come together in person when Rona is behaving um, mm. to encourage each other to give us a support, sisterhood, and strategy surrounding being a multitasking superwoman. Um, I don't know many women who are always doing just one thing. You know, everyone is balancing multiple facets of life, whether that's uh, managing herself, her home, her family, her career and goals. And so we just equip women with the priority management techniques to help them succeed in those areas. Mm, That just sounded so (laughs) priority management techniques. Man, I think that so many of us need that. And oftentimes you're just going through life wondering why you're, why you are drowning because you're just doing the things that your mama used to do Mm -hmm. that everybody else is doing. And it almost seems embarrassing to reach out and say, I need some help managing the regular. So Mm -hmm. what would you say to the woman? Like for me, I don't like a cleaning lady coming in my house 
And my <laughs> husband had to finally tell me, girl, like Quit. check your pride. This house right. is right. <laughs> right, right, right. I can understand that. And a lot of us, we don't want to admit that we don't have time to do everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in the big scheme of things, this is how I always look at it. Um, when we talk about delegation and, you know, all this stuff, a lot of times we want to be uh, the Jill of all trades, so to speak. <laughs> and then we end up being uh, the mistress of none of those things. Right. And so you're trying, you're so spread out, you know, we don't want to say, Hey, I need help. I need support. I'm only one person. And I had to get over that pride issue that you mentioned. You know, I think all of us get hit with it. And some days I still do, you know, and I have to cancel that thing out and say, listen, uh -uh, I'm not the only person that lives here, you know, or even as we're, you know, building for the conference, all these things that are happening, I must delegate something. I have to give something away because it's not going to work if I don't. Right. And you know what I heard you say was just two things that popped out that helped you get over the um, over the pride issue is number one, thinking about others and not just Mm -hmm. yourself. Like my children aren't getting the best of this or that. My husband isn't being served, you know, as best. And so because of that, thinking of others, you are, you know, able to step outside of yourself and um, seek help. And then the second thing that I heard you say was just that you had to do some self-talk. Like you literally mm-hmm. had to say, girl, it's okay. Yes. What did that self-talk, you know, more specifically when you were trying to get over that, I need some help, but I'm too prideful to ask. What what, what, what was the narrative that you were telling yourself to help you with that? Um, I'll be honest, I got mad. <laughs> <laughs> I got mad. So every mom or woman, period, who shares a home with other people can identify with the feeling of when you are on the floor with a toothbrush scrubbing top to bottom and you look around and see your family chilling. Mm. Yesterday. And you and you right, see? And you are so mad because you see them living their best life. They don't care anything about all the the details of the home and how everything's coming together they don't care about this stuff you're the one that sees the lint that's in between the wall and the carpet like you see that right there and you're wondering why nobody else cares about stuff like this okay so one of the things that i had to address in myself was putting together good systems that my family can follow Hmm. you know what I mean so if my children I have five of them and four out of the five are old enough to clean okay so that means everybody should have a job I don't care who does the job as long as I'm not doing it (laughs) (laughs) and you may have to talk to yourself and say listen I may be a little OCD about some things I may want everything to be my way but if I need help they may do it a way that's different from me and I have to be okay with that. Exactly. I have to adjust accordingly. Right. So letting go of control, if in letting mm-hmm. go of that control, you get some balance. Absolutely. You have to think about the the greater of the goods, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. because yes, you can do it all yourself and it can be exactly your way, you know, but if you're tired and burned out and you know that's not working, then you may have to boot camp those kids. Right. To say, listen, you know, every mom, especially if you had an old school type mom, every mother had a way that she wanted things in her house. You can think about your grandma or your mother and you can say, my mom did not play about X, Y, and Z. Don't know what that is, but everyone, mom, dad, grandmother, whoever it was that raised you, 
they had a way that they wanted a specific area of their home. And so now as we are mothers raising children in this generation, we somehow are more new school than old school with the smushy uh, attachment parenting and, you know, all of this kind of them, you know, we're millennials or whatever, raising children and the kids are getting away with all kind of stuff. You know, they're leaving their stuff everywhere and doing all the things. And you got to mix that that new school attachment. I love you so much. Let's talk about your feelings. We have to mix that with, I know I told you to get my house together. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and take the meat out the freezer, mom. Like, where is she? <laughs> you know, and you, if you didn't take the meat out, you felt the dread in your soul because grandma was coming home. Whoever raised you was coming home and you did not do what you were supposed to do. Exactly. So we have to find those happy mediums. Right. That is so true. And I think that, you know, we look at our parents and the older generations and we see their faults. And we swing too far away in that pendulum, trying not to repeat those faults, but we throw out yes. all that good stuff. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, my dad, uh, he had, he grew up in some, you know, very fragile ways, you know, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of things that I want to take and some things that I had to leave, you right. know, but I'm not going to take, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to take the damaging things, but the way that you taught me and did this and did this, I'm going to pull from those things. And so for every person that's out there that shares a home, we have to learn how to communicate in a way that our families can receive and respond to. Exactly. I love that. Um, I think that, you know, my podcast is specifically for um, women approaching 40 and beyond. And I Mm -hmm. think that one of the things that is a constant thread of my message is looking at life and learning. And Mm -hmm. I think that we can learn from the negative situations. And that's truly when, you know, you can give it, give it a purpose. And so looking back on your mom and your dad who, you know, weren't best, and the greatest rather, but, you know, looking back on those negative things and saying, you know what, I'm mature enough to cherry pick the good things. So yes. that's yes, great. Absolutely. Now you were talking about systems in your home. So mm-hmm. what are some of those specific systems that you use? Like, are we talking charts with stickers and <laughs> reward systems and points or what are we talking about? So this is going to sound bad, but I feel like their reward is, like food and board, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like somebody out there is cool with allowances and all things. But so my kids get allowances for stuff that they are not required to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for example, that is my two-year-old daughter is potty training the two-year-old for me. <laughs> you know, so when mom is tied up, he goes to her to take him to the bathroom. Not <laughs> wow. I know. So. Um, so that's her job, though. You know, that's her job is to take her baby brother to the bathroom. She doesn't have to do that, but that's what she gets paid for. I like. Um, that. My son, for example, may help dad out at the barbershop. They move the the uh, garden plants that are in containers into the sun in the morning and bring them in the evening time. Those are things that they're not required to do. Mm-hmm. However, um, when we think about common living areas of the home, um, everybody shares these areas. Everyone uses the dishes. Everybody drops stuff on the floor every now and then. All these things are common living situations. And so what I instituted in my home, and if I can rewind for a second and, yeah. and hit this, when I when my oldest son was one and a half, maybe almost two, I got really, really sick. 
Mm-hmm. So sick that I had to go into the hospital for three weeks. I had intestinal surgery. It was bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so my husband had our almost two-year-old son for weeks without me being there. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I came home, all stitched up and everything and, and sat on the couch because that's all that I could do. My husband was heading to work. He was taking little man with him. He said, okay, little man, get your stuff together. And my not even two-year-old son got up through his McDonald's papers away, <laughs> toys in the box. He put his little shoes on. And I said, wait a second. He's not even two. Yeah. And so what we do sometimes though is we we handicap our families. Right, right. We handicap our families and we diminish their abilities based on our own perceptions. Mm-hmm. And so I had to adjust my expectations of my family and say, okay, if my two-year-old can do this, surely my five-year-old needs to be putting his dishes in the sink, even if he can't wash them yet, he's not tall enough. Right, but he can at least help with the process. Okay, we have a shoe box by the door. You got to make sure the shoes stay in the box and they're not all all over the place. You know, simple things. And so we have a chore chart in our house, um, and they don't really need it anymore because I don't care who does what. <laughs> so they know what a clean living room and dining room looks like. They also know what a clean kitchen looks like, and so. Sometimes I have to come behind them and say, listen, don't forget this, this, and this. But they know, they kind of rotate amongst them. Who does the kitchen? Who does the living room? Who does the dining room? And because we've been doing it now for a couple years, it works out so much better. But there are a lot of moms that are just starting out. And you end up talking too much because you haven't laid out exactly what the responsibilities are. And because we haven't done that, we keep having to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. So for the for the lady who's just starting out in that area, I would write down all the attributes of what a clean living room looks like or dining room or kitchen. Did you wipe the counters? Did you make sure you check for the pots or do all, you know, whatever's in your house that needs to be done so that they can easily go back to that list and say, oh, I didn't do this without you having to babysit and hover over them all day, making sure that they checked everything off. Exactly. So just clearly outlining expectations yes. and so that once that is yes. done enough times, it's just like part of part of life. You don't exactly. have to keep revisiting that. I love it. Exactly. And what's funny too is for a lot of ladies, they we don't want to revisit it anyway. So we feel like I would just end up doing it myself because they don't know how to do it the way I need I need them to. And what we have to do instead is take a couple of weeks, if that's how long it takes, and be there with them so that in the long haul, <laughs> in the long haul, as in, in the months to come, I will exchange the weeks of teaching for months of not having to teach and years of not having to teach them how to help around the house. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, you said being there with them. And we are out here managing this COVID lifestyle Mm -hmm. and we are with these children and with these children (laughs) and with them some more. (laughs) But before COVID, you um, chose a homeschool life. And I'm not saying virtual learning. You homeschool five children, 12, 
two 10 year olds, they're twins, and a five yes. and a two year old. Yes. Number one, do you enjoy that? I do. Why? How? I Tell do. Me. <laughs> okay, so, and this is just, I, all right, I want to give the disclaimer for everybody listening that I never wanted to homeschool my children. Okay, I never wanted to. I was counting down. I was so excited when the oldest went to Head Start. Okay, I was excited then when he was in his little four age four class, and then <laughs> I was counting down to those two year old twins went too. I was thrilled. I could not wait. And then I I really felt like there were some things that he was picking up in school that were not positive. Um, and then I also felt like. If he knows all the stuff that y'all are teaching and I decide to keep him home because either I don't feel like bringing him or, you know, we have family in town and things of that nature where we require some flexibility. I hated having to tell other people what I was doing with my child. (laughs) It hurt to me so much. Why is he not here? He already knows the alphabet. I just brought him there so he could play with the other kids. Like he he already knows this stuff. Why are y'all calling me asking why is he missing a day of school? You know, because we're out of town. I don't, you know, anyway, I digress. <laughs> Those things irritated me. <laughs> it really irritated me. So that kind of spurned us towards a homeschooling life because my husband was in school and things were hectic and we wanted to have as much family time as possible. Um, so now in this present COVID world, <laughs> you know, a lot of people have been thrust into spending more time with their kids than they um, would prefer. Not that you don't like your children, but, you know, there's a bit of sensory overload that's happening now. Exactly. Where, you know, it's just sensory overload where y'all going to talk to me all day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, know, you still here. And they're looking at you like, are you still here? You know, right. nobody, right. you know. I joke with my daughter, like we call mm-hmm. each other best friends. Yes. Since COVID, I am her best friend. And it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I'm the only person that you're seeing right now. And this is yes. not okay. It's not so okay. to the mom, to the mom um, who, like for me, before COVID, my son, um, went to like a mixed model where he went to school a couple of days and then we homeschooled um, the other three. And so for mm-hmm. me, I'm kind of a little bit, you know, in a rhythm of it. But to mm-hmm. the mom who says, I don't like this, I'm struggling and they are feeling guilty that they don't like the homeschooling thing and that they're around their children so much. Like, what would you say to her to give her a little bit of perspective, comfort and a plan? Um, well, first, I would encourage them to remember that pandemic homeschooling or virtual schooling isn't real homeschooling. How so? This is, this is seasonal. Right. Mm-hmm. Seasonal. So spring 2021 or fall 2021, the kids are going back. <laughs> going back okay can you so, speak that prophetically one more time over our in line? jesus name they are going back to school they go back to school so you know this is just a seasonal thing you know even for us as homeschoolers um we usually have activities and the ymca and co-op days and field trips and all these other things going on church stuff right where we have socialization overload you know we're always out and about we live in our van we're just everywhere and so you know what's happening now is literally a hang on to your seats 
we're just doing the best we can trying to maintain. And so for that mom that is in the place of sensory overload, we get it. You're not by yourself. We understand what it's like to want to run away from home and not come back. It's okay. You know? <laughs> um, and in the same sense, I think it's vital that we institute self-care time for the entire family. Hmm. What does that mean? That means that I as mom can get sensory overload because people are talking to me all day. So every single day I come in my room, I sit here, I eat my lunch, I watch an episode of Power or whatever movie I feel like. I, I leave <laughs> you out there and I come in my room and, and I sit in quiet and I relax. That may be 30 minutes or an hour. If I'm exhausted, it may be a couple of hours. <laughs> but I had to differentiate that. In the same way, if my children are arguing and, you know, they get they can get sensory overload, too, because they've been around each other nonstop. Right. So right. that makes it a time where, hey, baby, mommy has to run to the store. Why don't only you come with me? Mm, that's okay, good. I see that you're stressed out right now or something is bothering you so let's take a walk around the block guys we'll be back in a few minutes hey baby since I'm working with this child out here why don't you go in my room and just lay on my bed alone you know that it's so funny because you're coming full circle now you are going into that balance of we not those old school parents that says you're too young to be stressed out but right Right. <laughs> we have learned enough to know that, you know what, kids do, as you say, um, sensory overload and they have emotions and can be stre stressed. And we as parents need to identify and, you know, help them work through that. So that's yeah. really good. Self-care for the whole family, not, yeah, you know, right. not just ourselves. Yeah. And without shame, too, because, you know, one of the reasons me and my husband have such a good marriage is because if one of us is stressed out or whatever, we give the other one space to breathe. Oh, you said you need to go ride somewhere just to ride. All right. I'll see you in a couple hours. Oh, you know, I had this overwhelming day. Can you please bring wings home? You know, or I <laughs> and he looks at me like, babe, you need to, you know, go get a massage or do whatever those things are. And we don't frown on the other person for that need. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's very refreshing, you know, to hear um, you say that you have such a good marriage, because I think that oftentimes, especially single people get this horrible picture of marriage. <laughs> and it's like, Is anybody happy? Is anybody and enjoying themselves? <laughs> So just, you know, as an aside, not um, as much as what, you know, the main topic of the podcast, but just speak a little bit about other than what you just shared about you all being able to give each other their space and allowing the other spouse to have their me time if they need it. Um, what are some other things for you that have made a successful marriage? Because you got married when you were a baby. I was a baby. I was a baby. I was about the age of your oldest child. See? Girl, see? Like, um, that's the mouthful because that that I love him, but he's like a man boy. So, like yeah. him being married is blowing my mind. But go ahead, go ahead. Yes, <laughs> I can't think of it either. That my son, who's twelve, that okay, in eight years you could be bringing me some girl home for Christmas. Like, that is not okay. <laughs> it's not okay by any regards. So anyway, um, yeah, we did get married while I was still in college. We were young. I think twenty one. Um, and then we had our first child about a year and a half after. Um, so we've always been 
together. We've been friends. For, we were friends for years, met in college. And, you know, it was one of those uh, we got together in December, got engaged in February, and then were married in August. It was really, wow. really quick. No, my parents were not okay. <laughs> but it was really, it was really quick. Um, so one of the things that has helped us have a happy and long marriage, we're married 14 years now, is that we give each other the space to be a friend and a lover. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we have pressure on ourselves in relationships, period, to be one thing or the other, you know, and when you get married, you're looking at him like, you know, you're my husband, you're my lover, you're the love of my life, blah, 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 but he's a human being. So mm-hmm. while he's your Superman, he's Clark Kent, while you're amazing and you're Wonder Woman or Supergirl, you know, you're still a human being too. And so we have to be able to have these challenging conversations without overt offense. Mm. So that means if he says, I want to be left alone, it doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. It just means he might not want to be bothered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It may not be you. Just like us women, Monica said it best, right? Is when I just want to be by myself. Or just one of them days. One of those days. It could be one of those weeks. It could be one of those months. Like we don't have any um, logical reasons for why our emotions and even our hormones do what they do. So let me be kind enough to say, babe, you know, I'm just not feeling like myself right now. I just want to lay here. I might even go to bed early. You do whatever you're doing. I just want to be in here and sit by myself, you know, there. And I had to let him know that in a way that he could receive and respond to. And I think a lot of times for us as women, we kind of go over the edge, you know, when it's like, well, he doesn't want to be around me or whatever, whatever. And it's like, I need to be able to be friends with you. And friends can tell each other anything. Mm-hmm. You know, friends can say, I feel fat today. <laughs> friends can <laughs> say, you know, I just feel so discouraged. Like my dreams are never going to come true. Or mm-hmm. I'm just lost. I don't know. But when it comes to that boyfriend, that husband, we don't want to be that vulnerable with those people. And then we don't want to let him be that vulnerable either. Yeah, that's good. You know, marriage is... I just hear you saying that it, it needs to be a safe space. But in order to do that, just, you know, repeating some things that you said is number one, being able to speak your emotions and not act them. Like yeah. if you are in a place where you're having one of those days, you can't walk around giving people the silent treatment, but you need to, as you said, speak that to him and say, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what I need. Yes. And then I also heard you say, mm-hmm. just being emotionally well, that you won't, build these false narratives in your head anytime he acts a certain way you go from two plus two equals 30 you know (laughs) (laughs) and not saying he doesn't want me and he's on his way out and gonna get a divorce just because he says I want to go for a ride tonight yes absolutely we have to give space for people to be human you know and and from my husband's mouth he said that's something that he appreciated about our marriage is that it's like hey listen we're gonna be cool like we're we're lovers we're but we're also best friends and yeah. so I want him to be able to come to me and tell me difficult things and if there's something that he doesn't like or he's upset about or whatever that we can have that conversation without 
the drama. <laughs> you know, because you know, trust drama. is twofold. Like trust is being able to tell someone something, but mm-hmm. then the second and almost equally important part of trust is trusting the response of the person. Yes, so absolutely. And a lot of us don't respond well, period. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter who it is. Who mm-hmm. said it? The child the child said it. You flip the table. Your husband <laughs> the table. Your best friend told you you got a bad attitude. You flip the table. Like and you don't respond well to anybody. And then it's always everyone else's fault. Right. right. <laughs> you know, we, gotta we gotta work on that. Ladies in the middle, she's talking to someone. You mad right now. You are right. upset you right, right now. now. Flip the table like Jesus. And you feel justified. <laughs> You know, she was at the table and he was upset. So I can flip it to No, like be angry, but then not. You can be frustrated about things. You know, mm-hmm. one thing to change, but if you're not willing to have to respond correctly, if you're childish and immature, yeah. Those are things we gotta work on. It's not that fun. So we do. So true. And you know, speaking of your husband and just mixing this all together, you have five kids. He has a um a barbershop. He you all own that barbershop. He is a pastor. And then here you go with his <laughs> business, right? Yes. Yes, so ma'am. how did he respond to you um um going and creating the Mamathon Diaries? And did he, how have you all worked through the time it has taken away from your family? Because many people feel that they're being hindered by their husbands or even their children. And sometimes it becomes a source of tension in the home when they are, quote unquote, pursuing their dreams. Okay, so I can speak from two different stances. Okay, stance number one is when we first started out, which is. Um, when we got to our new church, we went from a church with 12 members to a church with a couple hundred, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So not the biggest church, but not the smallest either. And so his responsibilities exponentially grew. Yeah, He wanted to go visit all the sick and shut in. He, <laughs> to, he came in like a wrecking ball. He wanted to do all the things. And so he was not at home with us as much as he used to be. He got a lot busier because our responsibilities change. Right. One of the things that we, one of the conversations that we had to have was, I told him, I have to learn how to miss you less. Huh. And he said, well, I don't know if I like the way that sounds. (laughs) But it's true. Mm -hmm. I have to go get me some business, you know? And that wasn't where the monophytes all the things started you know or even the business started but it was just the notion of i am still a complete person even if you're not home mm-hmm. you know i also cannot wait for you to get home to help me with the kids right you just gotta listen while it's just me here <laughs> because god forbid anything ever happens to him i pray that we'll be old and crusty like on the notebook but they need to have the fear of God in them from their mama alone. And daddy is a plus, right? In the right. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, um, as things came about, I was amazed. My husband has always been very, very encouraging for me. So all the times where I said, baby, I, this is what I want to do. And I just don't think it's possible. I had a lot of reasons why all of them in my mind were valid, of course. And he told me that a lot of people have more on their plate than I do. But they mm. still figure out how to get it done. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't really like that. I want to throat punch you. But he wasn't <laughs> lying. <laughs> he wasn't lying. It was just a tough love moment. So as um, we really started out with hosting our first conference, which was in 2016. And it was, you know, a cute little Hilton Garden Inn room, you know, with a 25 or 30 ladies there. And and we just had this amazing night of women connecting and learning and growing together. Great worship atmosphere. It's a wonderful experience. Um, And that was where we kicked off the the Monathon Conference. Um, But then from that time, women started to come to me and ask about how to handle doing it all. How in the world do I handle it? How does how does this happen and that happen? So as I start to take more clients on, especially this year, things have really blossomed. Um, I have to learn how to one either get up earlier or stay up a little later. Yeah, <laughs> you know, true. especially with the kids being home all day, I'm sure there are lots of ladies who are working from home or they're trying to build their business at the house and they're trying to figure out how to do both. You may have to pick one or the other, whether that's getting up a little earlier or staying up a little later and then figuring out what in your business you have to show up strong for, because there will be some things that are on the list, but you yourself don't have to do them. You can hire a virtual assistant to do it, you know, from the Philippines for $3.50 an hour or $5 an hour. You got to do it to make sure that it gets done. Um, and then for our marriage, especially, I had to learn how to turn close the computer at a certain time. If he if he's up working, that's one thing, you know. But if we're both sitting on the couch together, I don't want my face illuminated by my tablet, you know, and he's trying to spend time with me. And so I had to learn how to say, all right, it's nine o'clock, enough is enough. If it didn't get done tonight, it'll get done in the morning. Right. And that's a struggle because it's addictive. Work is addictive. But I, there's a universal law that says however much time you give your job or the, what you have, your to-do list, your to-do list will fill that time. It just It just will. If you give it three hours, it's going to take you three hours. But if someone says, I'm going to be at your house in 30 minutes, won't you finish everything in 20? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you get the whole house clean in 20 minutes when you found out that they were coming exactly. over? Exactly. So it's That's adjusting good. priority level, you know, to make sure that you are doing the things that have to get done. And then you setting deadlines so that when this deadline hits, I will shift gears and do the other things that I'm supposed to do. Gotcha. That's great. Mm. So to the woman who now feels that I want to start it, like whether it be something of vision like the Mamathon Diaries, but her own version of it, or if she wants mm. to even start her weight loss journey or yes. look, but feels overwhelmed just by just all the stuff, all the things, her current situation, like what advice would you give her practical that she can go start tomorrow? Okay. So there is, I guess it's kind of a visionary assignment that I think about. Um, We call it the Mamathon five tier to-do list, (laughs) but it really boils down to envisioning yourself where you'll be in five years. Okay, you, you got me my eyes closed. Right now, I, I immediately yes. close my eyes. where are you going to be? Where is Myra going to be, right? So for Christina, my goal is essence, right? Like, and I got hey. about to get at the essence logo on my speaker sheet. Like, this is my goal, right? It's one of my goals. So 
as we're building out from that place, we're looking at the finish line in order to evaluate what I'm going to work on in this moment. Mm -hmm. So it's really a reverse engineering of all the things I have to do on my list today, right? So unless you operate a cleaning company, I say this all the time, unless you operate a cleaning company, nobody's paying you to vacuum. <laughs> nobody's paying you to clean your kitchen. Nobody's paying you to do any of these things. You know, nobody can cast a vision for you. Mm -hmm. No one can say, this is what I want my business or my branding to look like. That has to come from your heart, from your mind. Those are things that only you can do. And so for the woman that wants to start, but she's not sure where, start by just thinking about where you want to be in a couple years. How much money do you want to be making? Where do you want to be living? Mm -hmm. What kind of job do you want to do? Do you want to do? Not have to do. Because this is what pays the bills. But what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And then we have to bottle that up and then say, okay, how do I go backwards now? If I know that I want to be living in uh, a whole nother state, doing a whole different job, what do I need to work on in order to help me get to that place? And then write down all the things that you can think of that are going to help you get there. Exactly. Anyway. And what that will do will not only give you a vision for the very specific things, but then it will let you know when you're off course. Like even if it's the weight loss thing, like if you've forecasted five years and you've, you know, dialed all the way back. So then tomorrow when you start eating a Twinkie, it says, wait a minute, this isn't part of the five-year plan if I'm going to get there. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you, sometimes we got to make it uh, up close and personal, you know, and so there'll be a lot of things that are an after effect that motivate us. So for example, that I started eating better when I was, I think I started the couch to 5k running plan, you know, that little running app. Yeah. And I used to, <laughs> I would go running and it just started from baby, I cannot have pizza or fried chicken before I run. Cause whoo, I just feel so heavy. <laughs> you know, and that turned into, oh, I'm going to have smoothies and salads. It did not start out like, oh, I love green stuff. Uh-uh. It came from, I love the way my body feels after I make this decision. Yeah. You have to have a why. You have to have yes. a very clear why. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Very good. So this is a little bit of a random question, but to a person that's a strategist that has the tools, the techniques to make life go smooth. We all want to know, when was the last time that it didn't go right and you just had a just a good old ugly cry? And what happened and how'd you get yourself being the strategist out of that place? <laughs> oh, man. So I didn't cry about it, but I did feel the stress. I didn't cry, but I felt the stress. This happened last week. Mm -hmm. Happened last week. I was sharing about it uh, on the Facebook page because my neck locked up. Do you <laughs> I thought I was okay. On the inside, I felt like I'm fine. I know I have a lot to do today, but you know, I, I made my list and I'm doing good. And I went, I walked down the hall, came back, went to sit down and I felt something go like twing in my neck and all of a sudden I could not move it. Stress it had to be, it had to be. So I I don't know what I did, but all of a sudden it just 
I didn't, I wasn't exercising or doing anything weird. I sat down in a chair, no lie. And my neck just went to concrete and I could not move. I had to move my entire body. And so my husband was like, baby, you're probably stressed out. And I was like, but my, my I feel like I'm good emotionally. And it's like, my body was telling me though, you're not okay. So let's evaluate why you're not okay. What's going on? You know, are the kids wilding? Because they do that some days. They're just loud. They breathe loud, you know. <laughs> and and beyond that, the conference planning and all the things that are going on. But the first thing I did was I made a massage appointment. And I didn't get the hour. I got the 90 minutes because we yeah. had credit for massage envy. I had credits. So... <laughs> And so I went and got a 90 minute massage, which hurt, but it helped so much with my shoulders. And then when I came home, I said, okay, I need to do the work that I maybe was internally avoiding, which caused my neck to lock up. Mm -hmm. So for some of us, we feel that stress or we're feeling, you know, that ugly cry and a lot of the stress and emotions and frustration come from those things that we have not done. Whatever it is that's on that list that only you can do, you didn't do it. So you're going to sleep with regret and you're waking up with a pit in your stomach. Even if you don't realize that's what it is, it's because you keep on pushing that item to tomorrow and then the day after that, and the day after that, and if it, it can rise up on you and, and climb on you, and you have to be able to know that it's there. And so self-awareness is a really, really big part of being able to climb out of the hole. And so emotionally, psychologically, for your mental health and your self-care, you have to say on a scale of one to 10, I know I can't go past five. <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, when my mood gets some kind of way, I know I can't go past five. If I get to six, I need to go sit myself down somewhere. So I got that massage one day. Then I hit up my husband. I said, baby, can we, you know, take a day? You know, we had to pay for a sitter, right? <laughs> had to pay for a sitter, but we left for a night. You know, I slept. And then woke up and got some serious work done on my business stuff that I had been putting off for a while and revamping some stuff. And so for everybody that you're feeling the, I would ask what's on the list that's sitting in the back of your mind that maybe you haven't paid attention to yet. And because you didn't do it, it continues to roll over and roll over. And we get frustrated with our families and with ourselves because of the stuff that we did not make ourselves do. That could be as simple as working out. So you wake up the next morning and you feel fat. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you feel fat and you're tense because you looked in the mirror. You didn't like the way you looked. And that plays on. You didn't exercise the self-control to make yourself get up and do what you were supposed to do yesterday. Yes, and so good. you have to check it off and say, all right, I wasn't who I was supposed to be yesterday. But today I'm going to drink this gallon of water and I'm going <laughs> to walk or do whatever it is I'm supposed to do in order to get that feeling out of my heart. You know, a lot of the stress comes from those areas. Wonderful. So I got just a, a one last wrap up and that mm -hmm. is honestly just letting the ladies in the middle who want to follow you and hear you more and maybe even work with you in a one-on-one -on -one capacity or even attend your conference, just where can they find you and do all those things? Well, they can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the Mamathon Diaries. Um, and from there, they can feel free to send a message or go to runningamamathon.com uh, and send an email or find information about the conference as well. 
Sounds wonderful. Christina, it has been, again, just so fun talking with you, but it's also just been very encouraging and very practical. And I appreciate that. So well, I appreciate you so much, Myra. Thank you. Yeah. So what's on the plan for those five kids this Friday evening? Because that's when we're doing this interview Ooh. on a good Friday night. I know, right? But I think I always say, what's a Friday if you're a mom? <laughs> <laughs> so my husband's working. Who knows what time he's coming home from cutting hair. And so um, they're probably, they're out there watching movies. We fi we didn't finish homeschool until 5, 4.30-ish. Mm -hmm. You know, we did afternoon school today. And so they're going to chill out, watch a movie. I might let them stay up a few minutes later. And then we're going to ship them on off to bed. And we're just going to breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe. All right. Well, again, so good speaking with you. And I will definitely have to bring you back because I think we would love to dive in more specifically on women who are jumping out and um, trying to be um, entrepreneurs and owners of their own business and just maybe get a little bit more practical information on that. So just love to. thank you. Mm -hmm. Keep watching your inbox for another invite. In a few. Yes, <laughs> well, yes, right. well, ladies in the middle, remember that getting older with style and grace ain't easy, but somebody has to do it. And why not us? And why not you? And choose to make it a great day.